Well, there you go with our old familiar starting lyrics from Maestro Alvin Lee and the band 10 years after. And that was uh, about 40 years before, actually. So, uh, Roger Sales with you, Tuesday, 16th of July. Radio Ranch, People's Patriot Network, all that stuff, formalities, brushed. Now, out of the way. Probably, if it would have been my choice, I would have opened up today with the old Beatles song. I'm sure all y'all remember that from your youth. Because it is today my birthday, at least one of them. Uh, And it's one of them that I really... uh, hold in very important consideration in my own life every year. I'm I'm familiar with it. I went back and traced it. I came up with the exact day that I saw my very first videotape on the IRS. And that day was July the 16th in the evening, if I remember correctly, of 1992. So it's approaching 30 years, 28 years as of today, I guess, that, uh, or 27, yeah, 27, that that I got my eyes broken open a little bit. And I remember, I've told the story before, but I think it's worth telling here. We got a few things to talk about. If you want to call in, obviously, you're welcome to. Otherwise, I'll just do a little monologue here. Um, I had been doing some network uh, companies. I was teaching at the time there in Atlanta at the in- Art Institute of Atlanta, music stuff. Had a lot of free time on my hand. They paid me pretty good, but they didn't pay me all that well where you could work four to hour, eight hours a week. You still needed extra money. And so I had all this extra time and a lot of uh, professional background and I got stumbled into network marketing and I started doing that along with teaching for a number of years. And in the middle of that, one of the guys I worked with came up to me at a meeting. It was that, yeah, actually it was the company that was that first binary plan, uh, Consumer Byline Incorporated was the name of it. And uh, the now on trial for multiple sex charges, <laughs> a guy named Keith Ranieri is his name. He was a young punk back then. Uh, he's the one that had invented that binary plan. And that was the first company that it had been applied to. And so we, uh, uh, you know, we went to one of these meetings and it was an exciting time because that thing grew like crazy because it was this first binary where in the network marketing or networking industry, one of these types of the ways they pay you and it's all underneath you. So it really feeds on itself and it takes off. And so uh, we were at this meeting and one of the guys I knew, one of three brothers, came up to me and said, income tax is illegal. I went, oh, yeah, sure, just like most of you did, just like we still get people that respond like that today to our message. Oh, yeah, sure. And he said, no, we've got a tape. We've got this tape. And I said, well, to myself, I'm open-minded. Yeah, I'd like to watch the tape. I was curious. I've always known something was wrong, had that intuition since the volatile days in my youth in the 60s. And it took 
because the tape was up in Virginia, unfortunately, with the guy up there associated with that program. And uh, so it took a couple of weeks before they were able to get it down to the Atlanta area. And uh, we got it, and uh, I got my hands on it, and that was uh, 27 years ago tonight that I sat down and watched that video for the first time. Now, I've got a couple of distinct memories about that evening. Um, first of all, it was a Thursday evening. My remember cry, I'm pretty sure it was. Thursday evening, and uh, the reason I can tell you the exact day, July 16th, was because I watched about half of it, and that was the very first night of Bill Clinton's first presidential acceptance speech. And it was there in Washington, D.C. I wanted to see it, hear what this really young whippersnapper had to say that had gone through so much stuff in the campaign to get to that point. And I watched the tape about halfway through, and that speech came up, and I turned the tape off and figuring I'd be, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And it was, uh, in fact, it went down as the longest acceptance speech in the history of American politics. I think he played his saxophone and all that junk that night. Um, and uh, I must have had to work the next morning or day because I didn't get to go back and watch the second half of it. I was intrigued. The things I'd seen, like, oh, the back of the lean and, and, and some stuff like that. Some of y'all are familiar with some of those glaring inconsistencies. And I must have had something to do Friday night because I do remember distinctly that I didn't get, and I was anxious because I was really, it provoked me what I'd seen. I was, as we are today with the Epstein scandal, I was titillated. And so I couldn't get back until Saturday morning to watch that and and when I finished watching the back half which is where even more of the provocative proofs were and I don't remember them all it was basically uh, back in those days there was a guy named Phil Marsh going around the country they let him go for about five years and he was untaxing people he's the guy that put untaxing into the lexicon and this guy whose tape I watched was named Al Carter and he had basically ripped off all of Phil Marsh's stuff and was trying to be a PAY triot. And, uh, but regardless, the information was there. When I got back there Saturday morning, I put that tape back in. I hit play. I watched the back half. And at the end, I picked up my jaw and I said, boy, if they're screwing us this bad here, what the hell else is going on? that we don't have any idea about. And that's driven me for, as of today, 27 years. I don't think ever in my life I've ever had anything grab me like this has. And, and the, I've always, uh, you know, have an interest in something that go get heavily involved because I think basically my personality type is obsessive compulsive. And so... I've either, I got to if I'm going to do something I got to do it you know and I attack it and, and and learn it and get tired of it and move on to the next thing. This is something that I've I've never been able to get get its claws out of me. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've never been able to get the claws of 
of tyranny out of my back from that even feeble understanding 27 years ago this evening as I, like a young baby, many of you, and I know you guys know what I'm talking about, as something comes along and all of a sudden, ding, man, that's the moment. You know, that's the moment you pivot on and that moment was 27 years ago tonight for me. It's given me a passion. Well, I think that's the right word. It's given me a passion to not only find the answers, but once I did find them, wondering, understanding totally how significant they are because of the amount of study that I've put into this and thought over all those years. Uh, that I, I and having this radio background and the ability to do this stuff and a strong desire to get the word out there, here we are. Now, I know this, I know how powerful this information is. I know it changes lives. It doesn't do it with everybody. It does it to the people that are the true seekers, the ones that are open, the ones that are objective, the ones that are looking for answers. As, you know, the Old Testament says, before they have not a love of the truth, well, I, I can say, thank God, our audience here and myself, we have a love of the truth. It's something that drives us um, to the, it, it just drives us. And And once you got that bug, man, you can't get rid of it. Um. So anyway, that's an important day. It's an important date to me. July is an important month, as I talked about earlier this month. And uh, my father's birthday was uh, real. Natural birthday was tomorrow. My grandfather's was last weekend on the 13th. And mine's this coming Saturday. Well, we won't be on the air to celebrate that one, but we sure can celebrate this one. So... Um, it's always interesting to me as I look back over this path of so many years and so many ups and downs and uh, uh, it's really like not even, and I go back and compare it to my first life, that early part of my adulthood when I was still a babe in swaddling clothes and uh, wow, what a difference. What a difference. You know, uh, the other day, Greg, uh, I think that was mine. Hell, I never know. I had some pro more computer problems last night here. Well, I'll be darned. Um, Greg, our friend that helps us out so much in the background, uh, posting stuff in the forum and and uh, you know, doing doing things and and staying on top of the server and all the things that he does that we appreciate so much. And uh, Greg and I were in a discussion yesterday, and he said, "Man, since I've started telling the people about your stuff, I've lost every friend I ever had." <laughs> and I know I shouldn't laugh about it, but it is. It's it's comical, not in respect on its surface, but it's comical because all of us have lived through that, you know. And I wrote him back and said, yeah, it has a tendency to do that. It can, you know, break up marriages and families too. And uh, and what what you learn when you get over here, especially if you start talking to people about it, trying to 
see e either trying to do a general explanation or just trying to uh, uh, get the responsibility off your back there, your responsibility to tell other people. And what you find out, Daryl, I'm sure you'll agree with this 100%, is you find out that many of the people you considered to be friends were in actuality nothing more than acquaintances. How you doing, good buddy? You gonna wish me a happy birthday? Yeah, happy, uh, happy Patriot birthday, Roger. Yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, you're, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll get a spanking. I guess it maybe you're too old for that. I think yeah. what you get for your Patriot birthday is you don't get arrested under civil law charges. <laughs> So yeah. every day of the year is your Patriot birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you can avoid the beatings. Uh, you know, we used to say, yeah, we used to say in the uh, in the military and at the airline and the training department, you know, the uh, beatings will continue until morale improves. I absolutely and, love uh, that. I love that statement, and it, yeah. it it's yeah. just so applicable. It's so applicable to the people that are still in the rat race. Well, uh, I ran across a, uh, I ran across a quote by Confucius today, and uh, it was it was very poignant to me. And uh, let's see if I can remember the quote. Uh, Confucius says, "When words lose their meaning." Man lose, man loses his freedom. Yep. And so, so you know, when you uh, you cross-reference that to, of all things, the Bible, you see that uh, in in those days that uh, words would uh, be reversed. Um, good would be evil. Evil would be good. The truth would be a lie. And we would have this inversion go on. And so, you know, we have this situation where, uh, you know, back in the uh, the 60s and the, and the 70s where you had, uh, uh, you had the uh, pornography cases of um, Larry Flynn and uh, the movies and uh, uh, the... Uh, group of people that were pushing for equal rights and freedom of speech uh, they could use uh, pornography as a freedom of speech and this was under the the, the cause does your the ostensible cause of freedom well you know if I can't produce pornography and and uh, promote it then I, I don't have freedom and so they are successful in their course of actions. Uh, uh, they realize their freedom so they can produce pornography. And now that they have freedom now and are in control of free speech, now you can't have free speech. Isn't it interesting so the way it, and they've got an MO yeah. here, Daryl, and you really hit on it. I've thought about it uh -huh. for many years. And uh, it, it is that right there that they come in and say, oh, you're discriminating. 
You're discriminating. And then they come in and get these anti-discrimination laws passed, and now look at them. And they use the same tactic over and over again by pressing the envelope. They press the envelope and then throw it into the dialectic. Yeah. Well, it's it's fascinating. I, I, I you you kind of have to be of a certain age, I think, to see the um, the pattern, um, or very objective if you're young. And uh, so it, the interesting thing is now, now at, at this point, uh, we have uh, uh, the ostensible freedom to uh, look at pornography and, of course, the, the deprivation that it brings. Uh, so you're, you're free to be depraved and debased. And, uh, and, and this is the culture, the society that that sort of freedom yields, which, so in fact, it's not really freedom, is that it turns into slavery. Now, I, I'm, not the, uh, I'm not the guy that figured this all out. Uh, I give this all all this line of conversation uh, and insight into it uh, to uh, E. Michael Jones um, and uh, his work over the last uh, 20 years. So he's probably the uh, single best uh, uh, researcher, uh, investigator uh, on this subject matter that I've ever heard, ever and uh about you know sexual sexual freedom which actually is slavery you know but, yes and uh Abs- he, he brings out several abstinence yeah. is liberation well i uh, i would say that um you know what i'm t- i'm know, talking about uh, abstinence when i'm saying i'm saying abstaining from going out and just wholesale sexual activities such as we see now. I mean, especially in the worst variety, Daryl, is the bathhouse things that you've read about all of the homosexual, the sodomite community. I mean, it's just repulsive. Well, that was that was also that was that was the next wave uh, of, of freedom. It, it comes in waves. Uh, you know, you have the uh, the porn the pornographic freedom and then you have the feminist freedom that uh starts to align itself with the pornographic pornographic freedom you know it's um uh, you know i mean you know stating an obvious here most men aren't going to be interested in homosexual pornograph pornography so you have to have liberated women who will engage in pornography to attract the the heterosexual males, of course, uh, you know a subculture of that is the homo porn, and uh, of course they don't need any inspiration; they're already uh, debased. And so, so these are uh, working on on two fronts uh, culturally over the 70s, 80s, 90s, and of course, you know, resulting in the. In the uh, into bearing fruit, uh, you, you layer birth control in on top of that with more liberty, which doesn't produce any fruit. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, so the next layer, the next layer is is uh, pederasty and uh, pedophilia and pedivores and child pornography. So, you know, the 
the uh, the ploy of trying to get free speech and artistic expression results in in abusing small children and uh, pornography and pedophilia. And so uh, I, you know. I'm not interested in that kind of freedom. Well, it's gotten to the point, Daryl, where I saw the headline. I didn't read the article. Uh, They busted a huge ring of child pornography inside the Pentagon the other day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your service, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, that's all brought to the forefront really daily now in this Epstein unraveling. And... Uh, just all of this yeah. stuff, man. I mean, you can see why the big guy tells us to come out of her and not fight it. Come out of her. You can come out of her. You can walk away. That's your decision. You can't do anything about that or them, okay? And it, But you can do something about yourself, and what you do is drag yourself out of there. You turn your back on it, and you just put one foot in front of the other and walk slap away from it. It's just like it's just like my grandmother used to tell me, Daryl. I remember I have a very vague memory. You, you tell Satan to get behind you. You tell him to get behind you. That's what my grandmother used to tell me. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, uh, it, it would have been wise to listen to Grandma. Well, um, you know, maybe Grandma that, knew some things. Well, and, she, those yeah. old wives, they know a whole lot, I've come to understand as I get older. But the problem is, is not there, it's you. The problem is you're too young and you haven't, uh, you don't know what life is. You haven't experienced enough of it. But hopefully those lessons that get drilled into young grandchildren and children from their parents and grandparents are at least like a seed, and Not later more. on in life yeah. they germinate. And that's what happened yeah. with me. I deviated way off the median yeah. and came back, and all those lessons are still there, and I can still remember her saying that, okay? Well, and so that's you, the problem. You, you is have these the advantage kids, of, of yeah. the, These young people today don't have that kind of guidance, and it's what I was going to get to a second ago as you're talking about this, these big changes in that period of time. If you'll remember about the first one that they pulled, was getting the Ten Commandments and prayer out of the school. They had to get God out of the schools first. And I've come to look at these things on such a timeline, and they're in that one little crucible of time in the 60s when we saw the fruits of the Tavistock Institute, and you named off a couple of them, but prayer out of the church, Ten Commandments out of the schools, feminism, open sex, the pill, abortion, homosexuality. I mean, what what else do they throw at us that you can think of in that period of time? Because the wars, well, and, the assassinations. Uh, in, in the early, you know, there's yeah, ten. There's in ten the early things. 60s. In the early 60s, 62, 63, 64, they removed uh, as they as they took over the uh, the uh, education system. They removed uh, grammar, uh, Latin, and critical thinking from the uh, syllabus. Yep. Don't forget who started the According Department of John Education. Don't forget who started the Department of Education. You remember who that was? Uh, yeah, I I do when you say his name. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you that, had 
That wasn't um, until the late 70s that the Department of Education yeah. got in there well, to continue to enforce had, and, exa- yeah. and amplify what you talked about is getting people away from classical music, any kind of classical writings, anything that grounds you where they can get in and start manipulating you. Now, Daryl, I think it's also an important point here from our particular unique frame of reference to understand that all that stuff didn't happen until after 1954. Yeah. Well, I I mean, we we could fill up the rest of the show covering the timeline from uh, 46 up to uh, JFK's uh, assassination, uh, you know, with with, uh, laying the groundwork uh, different things that were done. Um, it it uh, it is not a series of coincidences and accidents because every once in a while, if it was, uh, these people would err on the side of integrity, truth, virtue, and freedom and liberty, but they never do. So I, I have to I have to uh, look at the statistical probabilities of that and say that it's a uh, a forethought, malice, and plan. Uh, and subversion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with that at this point. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, just to go back to E. Michael Jones, he wrote a book here about four or five years ago called uh, Libido Dominandi. And it, uh, uh, he, he looks at it very closely from this perspective of by by liberating people's sexual desires and lusts, they can be politically controlled. Uh, this has become self-evident in observable fact. Um, and and so the next of the next of the horsemen to be released is is uh, pedophilia. <clears throat> and uh, so this, uh, I mean, this is where this is going. You know, what was that? Uh, what was that senator's name from uh, Texas uh, that they ran out here about uh, 15 years ago? Um, he was a real whippers. He was a real whippersnapper. Uh, for, uh, and I don't, he, I don't, he, uh, I don't know who you're uh, talking about. I, I may, I'll probably yeah, remember I, uh, it. But I don't. Well, he I was can't. talking about the things. Yeah, he 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 made several uh, at the time outrageous statements about that they were gonna, you know, after abortion they were gonna legalize, uh, you know, gay marriage or homosexual marriage, and um, and then then the next one on the list uh, through the Justice Department was gonna be. Uh, uh, pedophilia and bestiality. Oh, 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 I know. I remember uh, what you're you know talking who about. You know what I'm talking about. I do, but I don't know who it was. Uh, I can't trace it back to anybody. Maybe a listener well, can, he, can give us the answer. He's, he, it, it, was he a prophet? No, he had, he had knowledge. <laughs> he wasn't being prophetic. He was, he was being knowledgeable. It's like, it's like in, uh, 1962 when Aldous Huxley is going on and on in these interviews a year before his death about the world that was possibly could come about. Well, he wasn't being prophetic. He was part and parcel responsible for the creation of uh, the uh, uh, of the uh, the drugs and the mind control. 
So he had full knowledge uh, of of all these things to come. So, uh, you know, did 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 you realize that Aldous Huxley died through euthanasia? His wife, his wife actually injected him in '63, and he he died by by choice. I did, did you ever know that? I, I did not. Yeah, if I did. I didn't stick. Yeah, with I. I, I didn't either until I uh, watched an interview, a 10-minute interview yeah. with his wife, who was in uh, in 2004 was like 102, and and she talked about it. Yeah, I, yeah, we we injected him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother yeah. and brothers and sisters, let me welcome Bob to the conversation, Daryl, and see what he's got to add here for us. Bob, Robert, how you doing, man? I assume you got my phone message yesterday. I did actually. Yes, thank you for that. I haven't been able to check in on the the, the content of the message, but I got it, and I will be looking at it. Well, evening, you're I think. gonna you're gonna be thrilled when you do, brother. I'm ready. Um, Daryl, were you talking about Tom Delay by any chance? Yeah, yeah, wasn't that him? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Tom DeLay. Yeah. I was I kept thinking Dick I, I Army, but it was yeah. up, thank I, you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I kept saying Dick <laughs> Army, but I was seeing Tom DeLay's face and I'm thinking this ain't right. I can't figure out who this guy is. Yeah. But yeah. Right. He had some right. uh he he was a bit questionable himself, but he did think he did say a lot of things that were illustrative, let's say it that way. You know, the other night, Daryl, when you sent out the true news from Friday on the Epstein episode with all the questionable oh, yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. in there and the picture that they that yeah. somebody and I should uh, this was the the Epstein episode last Friday on True News if you didn't we talked about it if you didn't see it you ought to go back over to true trunews.com and search up that episode on Friday it's worth watching okay and there towards the end they found some pictures somebody down in Florida was looking through a thrift store or a bunch of throwaway pictures, and they come up with a picture yeah. with Trump on the left and Maxwell and who else on the right? I don't. One of them was Robert Maxwell, that leads right back to the yeah. Epstein stuff now because his daughter's ended up over her eyeballs. But the guy in the middle was John Tower, and I remember I was real early in this or it was around the time I got involved in this that his, that plane he was in crashed and killed him. Yeah. And they yeah. brought out some stuff in that Rick Wiles about Tower, and you can go back and do a little research. I've been meaning to go back and research John Tower a little bit, but I remember when that plane crashed and he died and what a big deal it was because it, it was real important up there at that point, and I know why now. It wasn't long... It wasn't long after. Uh, it wasn't long after that. It was in that same time period in the in the nineties, the later nineties there, where uh, Maxwell accidentally fell off of his multi-million dollar yacht and right. and uh, and, uh, and died. Uh, of course, he was he was probably singly at that time. Up to that time, had been the number one uh, Israeli uh, Mossad asset. Uh, and for, Russia, and Russia uh, too. He was real heavy into Russia, also. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, and then, 
strangely, I mean, just by sheer, sheer coincidence, I mean, who would have ever thought his daughter ends up being the the uh, pedophile pimp mistress for uh, Jeffrey um, Epstein? The groomer. So, I'm, I mean, you know. She was yeah, the groomer. Uh, now, she's a, uh, I saw yeah, a deal the other night. Adam. Somebody yeah. was doing a little video. Somebody sent it to yeah. me. I watched part of it, and the part I watched was going in, and it was centered on her. Je- Jez- Jezeline, is that her name? Jess, you could, I, I mean, you know, Jesseline, Jesseline. Okay, When you break the word down, uh, the word, her name translated means tribute. <laughs> well, she's oh, a tribute. Okay. She's a tribute, so, all right. And what they yeah. were showing that they had dug out, this guy investigating, whoever had done the research, was they'd gotten pictures of her at this charity function against uh, against uh, harming children. And there she was in the picture at the big charity event uh, that was something against harming children. And she was probably there recruiting. Yeah. You know? And that's the way, yeah. remember the well, guy I that mean, was in charge yeah. of the Pizzagate broke a couple of years ago, and the Jew that was in yeah. charge of that unit over at the FBI of doing overseeing all these child uh, uh, cases was a pedophile himself. Same thing. They yeah. oversee that. They set themselves well, I, up I mean, in those positions. L- listen, yeah, well, why, <laughs> why, why, I, I mean, it, Whoever applies for being the Boy Scout and the Cub Scout leader has to be under suspicion. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, you know, um, you know, why would why would bankers why would why would any personality want to go into banking? Well, that's that's where that's where the best theft is. Um, why why do a lot of personalities go into um, uh, law enforcement? Well, it's it's where they can exercise abuse and authority. Yeah. Uh, so we have personality disqualifiers, yeah. and uh, uh, can I, on 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 this show can we say the word ass? Yes, you can. Uh, do you notice to do right. you notice so my, the judge's name that's on the Epstein trial? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, well, you don't well, think, wait a minute. You think uh, he's get, you I mean, think he's getting any pressure at the synagogue there on Saturdays? The lately? Well, also also Mueller's Mueller's daughter's involved in in the uh uh prosecution or cover up uh, I mean I mean prosecution of of this. So um well, you know there's also, so it's gotten so much also attention William Barr, and so big that they, if they're going to have a hard time yeah. brushing this one under the rug, he is very vulnerable for them knocking his ass off right now. Okay, he is a liability; yeah. he ain't an asset well, anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll put him out on Rikers Island. I used to I used to uh, when I was out in New York and uh, on overnights out there, they used to put us out at the uh, Crown Suites. And I'd I'd be up there on the tenth floor of the Crown Suite, and uh, I'd get a full a full view of Rikers Island. You could actually sit in the room, look out the window, and, and watch those guys out in the workout. 
uh, pumping iron and and doing their walk around, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll give him a little time out there on yeah, Rikers they, Island. They, I guess they, that's a tough joint. They love so, pedophiles in prison. I hear. Chris, how you doing, brother? Yeah. Well, fairly partly cloudy with a chance of clearing. Glad to hear Daryl this morning. And uh, just to add to it, you know, you mentioned that uh, Epstein and Wexler and um, uh, Peter Thiel, all these high-level elites uh, are, I even have to think that maybe Ray Kurzweil and some of these others uh, are all in it together. You know, whether they just donated money to uh, Epstein and his so-called foundations and uh, uh, Peter Thiel's foundation, Peter Thiel being one of the founders of Facebook from Zuckerberg and who stole it from somebody else. And, uh, you know, this is a, a just a big nest of incest and uh, self-adulation. And uh, these people are absolutely nothing but demoniacs and self-interested pedophiles. And uh, they think they can run roughshod over the world. Uh, Jimmy Seville is unaffiliated with yeah. uh, Epstein. And they're all, uh, I think, they're most sodomite um, just reprobates. These well, people are nothing but just ill of society. Somebody in wrote an article. I've been reading this one guy that's been doing the reoccurring articles over there at Zero Hedge. And someone went out and researched through all the investment houses, and not one investment house in New York could remember ever doing business with his firm. So well, what when the you deal understand is, it's the money laundering well, yeah. or the Mossad and no, uh, no, 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 it's a black, well, it may be a money laundering, but it's a blackmail operation. It's a honeypot. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And so what they're doing is he's blackmailing these people. He sets up these foundations, and that's how he clears the money is through the foundations for the blackmail. I'm sure that's how he's got it set up. Well, you know, I told you yeah. that several years ago I was uh, specially invited to Paradise Island, was what it was called back then, which I think is Little St. James, a.k.a. Pedo Island of uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, now, I'm who not sure. off. I, I think Paradise Island is over off of the Bahamas. It is. I spent a week there. I, I spent a week on Paradise Island. So it's uh, not the same, Chris. And uh, it's off. It's you know, it's not. It's not. It's, now, it's actually a. It, well, I'm glad to hear yeah, that. I'll let me tell that. you, Daryl. <laughs> I was over there one time on a cruise ship that stopped over there or something, and. It's a whole mm -hmm. island that's been built up basically by Carnival Cruises so they could take their captive audience over there and dump them and fleece them at another level. Yeah, I, I mean, I spent a week there, and uh, I had a pretty good time, I have to admit, uh, a whole week on Paradise Island. And uh, when uh, when we came back... Off of that, we came back to Iowa. Uh, nine months later, we had a we had a baby son. So there you go. How about that? How about it? <laughs> uh, but, the way it was paradise. Wasn't yeah. It? So yeah. So um, well, I, I mean, uh, this this same this same whole process is uh, by by another name is the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Uh, so yep. that's pay for play and and blackmail. Of which he helped uh, found. I think what did he give four yeah. million to the yeah. Clinton Foundation at his founding. Four million. Yeah. Yeah. So then and then another interesting twist is that you have uh, Jeffrey Epstein being hired at a blue blood uh, 
Blue Blood uh, uh, school, uh, uh, grooming school, uh, in the northeast part of the country was at New York, Connecticut, by <laughs> William Barr's father. Yeah. Well, as what? You okay. remember the so, function? I mean, you, we have... You remember his function? What, what function did he serve there? Algebra, calculus, he's a, advanced He's math. evidently a real, real whiz at, at, with numbers, as a lot of them are. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I tell you this. Uh, talk about talk about statistical uh, anomalies. This this is just statistically, it's just improbable. I I'm I'm probably not as good at math as as old Jeffrey is, but uh, I, I took a little uh, calculus and algebra and, and probability and statistics and. And, and I think this enters the area of anomalies. These are these are iterations and anomalies. I just can't figure it out, Roger. I, I know. Uh, I, I did want to. I just just I did want to say one thing about. Uh, I wanted to bring my grandpa into this conversation, who was a very wise old uh, Iowa uh, scratch dirt farmer, and uh, I was born in 1899, and he looked at me. And I was sitting there on his knee, and his best friend Willis McGee was sitting there <laughs> laughing. He was a little leprechaun kind of guy, and he said, "He says, remember, Daryl, a skunk smells his own ass first." Yeah. I said, "Okay, Grandpa." Well, that's what these people. That's what these people done. It's projection, uh, and that was his way of saying it. Okay, is that they accuse you of what they're doing. Yeah, and uh, so um, I, I never forgot that because <laughs> it was kind of catchy. It works, and, uh, and it's been working for them for hundreds, yeah. if not thousands, of years. That technique right there. Yeah, well, I, I mean, if you're illiterate and and um, uh, you're, you're not knowledgeable, and you've been dumbed down uh, through absence of any meaningful real education versus indoctrination. If you're not curious, if you don't have a, any sort of natural curiosity, if, if the truth really isn't in you, then you don't, you accept what you're told. You don't ask questions. Uh, you're compliant. Um, so that's why I, I went online and, and had a t-shirt ordered, uh, cause I couldn't find one. I had to have it made. It says non-compliant. <laughs> That's my T-shirt. It says non-compliant, and uh, I'm actually wearing it right now because I'm going to go out in public. So I want to let everybody know that I'm non-compliant. Let me give you. And, let me give you another idea. Yeah. We had a real, real clever guy that hung around. Jack would remember him and Brent maybe around our CCG group, and he was an optometrist. I've forgotten his name. I really liked him, but. He had that professional air about him, you know, and he'd come up to the meetings and nobody knew who he was and he'd go around and go, I, I'm so-and-so with quality control and he'd start asking questions. Quality control? Quality control? Maybe you need to make one up with quality control. Right. Yeah, well, I, I actually, I was going to plagiarize one of your comments one day. I actually wrote it down. I have a sheet of paper uh, that just has t-shirt ideas and bumper sticker ideas on it and uh you you uh you quipped one off here uh, i don't know a month or so ago it was uh uh our disconsent so i was gonna 
I was going to fold that into the old soap opera. You know, these are the days of our lives. You know, yeah, remember right. that? That was a soap sure. opera. I was sure. going to say these. These are the days of our discontent. <laughs> Dis- discontent. <laughs> discontent. I'll tell you, I'll yeah, tell you another one. Discontent yeah. is even better. I know another one that I've had since the start that I've never really put into action was getting T-shirts made up with little surf guys with pitchforks and saying surfs up, S-E-R-F-S, and, uh, you know, and using the double entendre there. It's quite clever. I tried to get that as a web web domain, S-E-R-F-S-U-P, and somebody had already got it and squatting on it, and I wasn't willing to pay for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean these are... These are what you call, um, uh, you know, uh, conversation starters. And um, I was, uh, I got this old Dodge pickup, and, and everybody in the world wants to slam the car doors into it, you know. So it's, it's just this big old Ram Dodge truck. You, you've seen it, Roger. I have. You've seen it. You know, it's a, it's a big diesel one-ton truck and, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's a great truck, but everybody just picks on it. And uh, so I got, it's in great shape other than it's just beat to hell. Uh, and so I, uh, I went online and I bought these stickers. They're, they're bullet holes. Maybe yeah. you've seen them, Chris. <laughs> you know, uh, you stick on bullet holes. And uh, uh-huh. I bought a couple couple of those, and I, I put about thirty of them on my truck. <laughs> and it it, it 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 it's it's got this pattern like somebody somebody shot me up with a uh, with an AR or something or an Uzi. You know, it's just got this really nice pattern to it with all the door dings everywhere. There everywhere somebody slammed their car door into me, I put a bullet hole. And so. I, I was in town yesterday, and I pull up in front of the auto parts store to buy uh, some stuff, and there's three black guys standing there, and I come walking up through there, and they're smiling. This one one older gentleman, he goes, uh, can I ask you a question? I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, were you in there when they were shooting at you like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they look real. It looks real. And I said, no, I said, those are fake. But I said, it, it might be a premonition. You never know. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's, a great, it's, a, it's a conversation starter. It's kind of like it's kind of like leaving a magazine or a book out on the coffee table, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. I had uh, Bob, you got anything to but, add? Did we leave Bob? Did he drop off? Or are you still with us? I think Bob dropped off. Uh, I wanted to cover two things today. I got off on this my birthday stuff. Daryl called in. We've been yakking ever since. But this is going to right up your alley too, Daryl. Uh, the other night I stumbled on a really good article called, uh, I'll give it to you here in a second. It's The article is about Christian Zionism. And it uh-huh. is called the I got it. Untold Story of Christian Zionist Power in the United States. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Excellent. I haven't gotten uh-huh. all the way through it yet. I'm still only about halfway through it, Daryl. I did. Uh, yeah. But it is uh, it's it. an excellent article. I'm going to tell the audience that I'll add it at the bottom of today's show links, at the bottom of today's description and cast, cast uh-huh. box. And... 
also, but I'm going to tell you the website now because I had to go back and find it this morning, and it's right at the top of the website. You can't miss it. So if you want to go and investigate this now or this afternoon or before I can get this thing uploaded, it's at a website called Mint, M-I-N-T, Mint Press, P-R-E-S-S, News, N-E-W-S, mintpressnews.com. First thing, let me start off before I get in, we get into the meat of it there, Daryl. There's a lot of meat. I'm sure there's a lot I haven't even gotten to yet, too. But um, the gal that wrote this story is the same one that I've read two of her stories recently about Argentina. And she's over in Chile, I think. And she's written a couple of articles about what's happening down in southern Argentina below Bariloche where they've got their own airport and the guy Joe Smith is one of Soros's ex-partners from years ago from London has bought every bit of land and political control and the whole nine yards down there. So I, w I was really impressed with both of those stories that I read from her on that subject and it appears she wrote this. And it is extremely well written. She's a real good writer. Wouldn't you appear? Wouldn't you agree with that, Daryl? Oh, uh, unquestionably. Uh, I uh, well, so I'll, I'll give my uh, my endorsement to this uh, uh, very powerful article. Um, it's lengthy. It's, it's sort of like a uh, a mini summary of a of this really huge subject. <clears throat> so if you go to that website. Uh, and you find it interesting, I recommend everybody to put it to save page off your toolbar or download and uh, save it to your hard drive because you're you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna read it and there's a uh, this gets said a lot, but there's a there's a good probability at some point that this particular article will be expunged from the internet. Now the reason I recommend it being saved is You'll have to read it several times because there's there's scripture in it, and uh, there's also a a very detailed and referenced and uh, timeline of who, what, where, when, and how. So she actually just doesn't throw you a bunch of information. She actually connects dots, and and she does it all the way back into around 1825. And and uh, going forward, so um, so so the point being is that it's taken me several years of studying a lot of big thick books to gain the kind of information that she has in here, and on top of that, she adds more and stuff that I haven't even come across. So she really fills in a very nice picture. And, and builds a, a summary and actually an unrebuttable case as to the origins of not only the Schofield, which predates Schofield, uh, and, and uh, Zionism, which comes out of Fabian uh, Great Britain. So, uh, and, and, and names, names, and, and places. Uh, she, to my understanding, she, after reading the whole article, the only major operative 
uh, quasi-English player that she doesn't name who was really a big deal, well, two actually, was uh, a guy by the name of Lord Palmerston and uh, Benjamin Disraeli. Yeah. So, uh, but but she does a masterful job, and so... Uh, let me give that. Let me Please. give the, let me give the yeah. website again for people. It's Mint Press News, all one word. Mint M I N T, like mint julep. Mintpressnews.com, and it's at the very top. Um, there's a lot we could probably fill in the rest of the hour, the rest of the show talking about it, Daryl. Honestly. Um, it's such an important yeah. subject because well, as yeah. as a lot of even modern uh, modern polls and and politicos will tell you, the you know the Jewish community supports Zionism in Israel, but nothing like the Christian Zionist community. It is the amount of support yeah. on this yeah. idea and this ruse is staggering. Okay. And it's all because well, people look hey, at Roger. look at the surface and don't understand what's going on underneath, and they're so easily fooled. Yes, Daryl. I mean, Roger. I mean, I got a. I have a. I have a question here, and and this is a genuine question. Uh, you know, masked as a metaphor. Uh, how many fleas have to be on a dog to make him scratch? <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, I mean, uh, the the total collective uh, uh, population of of the of the Zionist uh, persuasion uh, amounts to a little more than a flea on a dog. But if if you put a flea on a dog, you you can get him to scratch. Yeah, you can. He'll perform. You know, it, and, you... and and you can. Yeah. As you read in yeah. the history of the 1800s of this, you mentioned Lord Palmerson and Disraeli. Okay, but as you read through the 1800 preliminary history of this, it becomes real obvious that, uh, you know, no doubt that it was talked about in the Jewish community, but the big push from this was from Protestants. And it came, went back to the, uh, uh, the what sect was it, um, that, that pushed this so hard. And as you go through and read that history, it's very interesting because one of the things they said is most of the Christian Zionists were anti-Semitic and most of the Jews that were Zionists hate Christianity and they're working together, <laughs> okay? And the other thing that startled me, Daryl, when they there was a second, everybody knows, the, there was two Balfour declarations, there was one that we know about and one that we don't know about. It was written by a guy named Blackstone, a Gentile, okay? And when it came to the cabinet to be voted on, everybody in the cabinet voted for it except Montague, who was a Jew. Yeah. Um, well, this, this, is, uh, this is what she's done is... Uh, expanded and uh, clarified this uh, the origins of this and and the uh, force multiplier effect the the weaponization of this uh, uh, changing a, a doctrine um, so 
Uh, she's done a brilliant job, uh, and, and a lot of people, uh, without, if you try to have this conversation with even a, 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 a patriot type of inclined person, um, a conservative, uh, or a, a, any kind of self-identifying Christian of whatever, you know, whatever they think that means, uh, you're going to get pushback. And uh, so you really have to read this and and get a working understanding of the deception and the conflation and the equivocation over a very long period of time to understand what its purpose is. And its its purpose is to leverage uh, uh, theology and and uh, your belief system to their advantage. And the, uh, the, the practicing Jews, Eastern European Jews at the time, um, and particularly uh, in, in, in the United States, uh, they weren't for this. They didn't want to go to Israel. And uh, so, so this was a construct this was a construct that came out of, uh, of um, the whole Israel Schofield, uh, the dispensationalism and uh, the tribulation all comes out of uh, Darby, uh, yeah, out of, Darby, out of uh, who was a English-Irish uh, guy uh, in the early 1800s. And um, as E. Michael Jones says, about this whole period, he says, give an Englishman a Bible and you'll get a stupid idea. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me say, I want to add something personal in here, Daryl. In that article, and I'd forgotten the gentleman's name, in the article they mentioned a gentleman named Mr. Canfield. And he wrote a book. He wrote the only book that's been written on Schofield, and it's the title of it's The Incredible Schofield in his book. Now, when my wife, Mm -hmm. when I was still in Atlanta in the last part of my wife's fight against cancer, when you start doing desperate things, and we had somebody, a friend up in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, that had a machine that they thought Mike could help, and we went up there and spent close to a week uh who whoever's rustling around the background cody is that you stick your mute on real quick would you please no i already had the mute on okay well whoever's mute my apologies okay well i I, I was bad i thought i had it on my fault well I, i went up to johnson city with my wife to try and get her these treatments and the couple that had the machine are very health oriented and very patriot people his whole big patriot family and uh the the wife had a relationship with Canfield, the guy that wrote the incredible Schofield in his book. And he he was living, he was quite elderly, and he was living in uh, Asheville, ten, uh, uh, North Carolina, with his daughter, and she had his connection and number, and she set up a lunch, and we drove over to Asheville, and I got to sit down and have lunch with Mr. Canfield before he died. I'm sure he's dead now. That was 20 years ago. He was elderly at the time. But I, we talked about so much. There were several of us at that lunch, and I don't remember anything specifically, but I did get an autographed copy of that book, and I did get 
to meet that gentleman. Uh, and as I said, he's the only person that's written a book on Schofield. But there are some additional things. I was probably in his book that she pulled them out and quoted them in the article. But this Schofield character was even, he was a lawyer and a couple other professions. And even after he left and went to go to Dallas, the local newspapers basically called him a scoundrel and a larcenist. Okay? So uh, I, I really advise folks, if you want to, this is a real important aspect to everything we talk about because it's added so much muscle to their ability to do all this and set up this whole agenda. And it's probably one of the best articles, even though I've not finished it, that I've ever seen covering the subject. And I wanted to bring it up today and talk about it because I was so taken back by at least what I've read so far. How you doing, Cody? Well, uh, wait a minute. There, I, was, I was listening in and uh, just – did you ever read that uh, article I sent you? Or not the article, but the book in Brent's book. They're talking the story about the pigs. And I couldn't find it when you are saying it, and that stuff's so small it's hard for me to read even sending it. But why don't you relate it to us? Oh, okay. So basically, you know, he talked about growing up on the farm and – you know, the pigs getting out, and in the morning he'd run and, you know, grab the, the smaller pigs and, and throw them over. And the one morning he was, uh, you know, he noticed the sow out there kind of looking at him funny. And as soon as he started, you know, reaching over the fence, she came a barreling towards him. And he had to drop the pig real quick, and she slammed into the, the gate there and started biting on the pig that that he had dropped over the fence. And... Uh, you know, the, the moral of the story was is sometimes your passions, you know, are running, you know, so wild that you don't even, you know, realize, you know, what you're what you're biting on. And it, uh, you know, talking, it was in reference to government and government, you know, various anything in life, I guess, where you're, you know, when you're let your passions run, run so high that you don't even pay attention. Um, it's just kind of apropos to a lot of our well, conversations. You, you, know, group, so. you know, I'm not a farm boy, Cody, but you know what I know about pigs is this. It says never wrestle with a pig because all you can do is get dirty and the pig likes it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. Chris, you were going to say something yeah. a minute ago? Got... Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I had uh, night before last on the, self-deemed by his uh, client, Mr. Con Itty, uh, the great Mark Levin, so-called, uh, was proclaiming proudly and plain wrong that this country was founded by the founders on the Judeo-Christian oh, yeah. concept. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, that's a blatant lie. We were founded on Christian yeah. principles, fundamental Christian principles that had nothing to do with Judeo-Christian mythos there, uh, perpetrated by Schofield. Therein lies a good example of why I'm so skeptical as much as at times I like what he says of Mark Levin. I've always thought, because when he started coming on the scene was after Hannity went to New York and Hannity started bringing him on on his syndicated show, and I've always kind of wondered mm -hmm. if he wasn't Hannity's Mossad handler, to tell you the truth. Well, that's certainly a potentiality, and he is, he proudly professes that his attorney is Levi Ann, and so, you know, it's certainly worth, but the other thing I was going to try to 
bring up that I think relates to the conversation is we go back to Shabbatai or Shabaltai Levi or Zabbatai Levi as the case may Zevi. be. Zevi, they six, call him too. Six. Some people call him yeah, Zevi, yeah, yeah. Shabbatai Zevi. Let me, look, hold on, just hold that thought. Hold that thought for just a second, Chris. Cody, are you aware of Sabbatai Zevi and all that background back to 1666 here? Yeah, I think the first time we met, you gave I made a bunch of notes and did a lot of checking on that. Uh, he, was he the cult? He was the cult, wasn't he? Was, he was he, the... We can't he, make the world good, so we he, might as well make it as bad as we cor- can or something? Cor- correct. And what he had done was taken on a change in the kabbalah from about a hundred years earlier from some rabbi that had changed the kabbalah around substantially and he picked up on that and because of his teachings from that he declared himself the the messiah in 1666 and pretty much all of this dialectical stuff and the whole zionism thing and a lot of this branches out of that. That's why it's so damned important to have a familiarity with it. Chris, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just well, wanted to ask Cody that. Well, well what, Cody? Hey, you Chris, you were asking a Chris, well, you were talking about the Zionism that, you know, we're not founded on that, and I I was calling in to read this quote about uh, General Washington and Ben Franklin. You guys have, I'm sure, seen that sure. that conversation talking about keeping the Jews out of the United States. Yep, the where they stole the document out of Philadelphia and they say it's a forgery. Yeah, I guess. So it says, I fully agree with General Washington that we must protect this young nation from an insidious influence and impenetration. That menace, the gentleman, is the Jew. In whatever country Jews have settled in any great number, they have lowered its moral tone, uh, deprecated its commercial integrity, have segregated themselves, and have not been assimilated. And it goes on and it talks about, uh, and that was written by... Benjamin Franklin. So um, I saw a quote. I've, I've plugged this book before. Ted Wyland, Pastor Ted Wyland. His his website is missiontoisrael.org. He's a he, he he's a very prolific writer and a very good researcher. And his book. I'll tell you, Cody. You want to buy a book? Buy this one, buddy. God's chosen people yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, And in that book, he takes both okay. sides of every issue, and he quotes both sides in the book and lets you make up your own mind. But when it came to this topic, I remember one quote out of there, and they said, Judeo-Christianity is the greatest public relations coup of the 20th century. What, need- what was the first part you said? The Judeo-Christianity is the greatest public relations coup of the 20th century. Oh, okay. Okay. And their power that they've amassed through these preachers like Hagee and all these 501c3 Crystal Palace preachers and, and the Dallas Seminary, which teaches exclusively out of the Schofield Bible and all of the infiltration that they have had here, you can see the effect. In fact, John Hagee, Levi, and was speaking with on that show. I couldn't remember his name while I was watching it. God, that guy makes um, me sick. I see him spouting that crap from the pulpit, and it makes me want to puke. Well, I, I agree. 
Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Daryl. Well, it's, it's just sad that the, the regular Christians cannot get together and operate kind well, of like well, see, the Jewish culture does. And, you, know, you know, and here's what Daryl was saying about the, the detrimental effects of it. Well, here's the real big one to me is anytime you try and get into these discussions, they go, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be raptured out of here. That's, well, that's the one thing Bradley Dean has been talking about a lot on his program is, he's, you know, don't expect to be raptured from responsibility. He said people for 2,000 years have been saying, oh, it's gonna, the world is coming to an end. You know, using that as the excuse, and, he, and the term he uses is don't expect to be raptured from responsibility. This country is always going to be here, and you need to, you know, do your part to make it better, and that's the one thing he really is preaching a lot on his program. Well, it's, uh, you know, that neutered, that right there, you might as well go out in the backyard and grab that bull and just cut him right off because it gelded the whole damn Christian community that follows that doctrine. The, the be, Yeah, expecting to be raptured, absolutely, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay. It's a big problem. So anytime somebody gives you that, you know where they're coming from, okay? And so they threw them this bone. They said, hey, you're not going to have to worry about this. Look here, it says you're going to be lifted right out of here. Oh, praise the Lord. Would you pay my, you wouldn't mind paying my tax bill for me now, would you? Oh, Roger, uh, you you bring up the uh, uh, this this uh, this pastor's uh, question or statement about uh, this being the the greatest public relations no, coup. It wasn't a pastor uh, ever. It, it wasn't a pastor. It was a Jewish oh. guy. It was a Jewish source that said that. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's unpack that word a little bit or that phrase, uh, public relations. So. Does, does anybody here have another name for public relations? Can can you come up with a how synonym? About, how about for propag- public relations? Propaganda is that a good one? Is that a is that a synonym? Is that what they call it? That's a really that's a really good one. That's a really good one. That's the one I was looking for. Uh, are there any others? Can we think Chris, of some other Chris, Chris other terms got, that apply? Yeah. No, Chris has got one. Okay. Well, if you don't mind, Daryl, I would. Observe that Adverts, Edver, Edwin Bernays, the father of propaganda and his treaties of the same name, it's actually public sexual relations, mind fornication, psychological okay. terrorist warfare. Well, that would that would fit with sexual liberation, uh, political control. Do we do we can uh, so so the purpose of propaganda, public relations is to market, is to advertise, to promote, to persuade. And, and so uh, you can simply look at the word propaganda as a form of persuasion. Of course, it's been associated with betrayal and lie, and that was done because of how it was used in the run-up to World War I on the American uh, people and the Europeans. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of exposure to propaganda after World War One and through the 20s uh, to the general population. So they've never been able to uh, get control of that word again. They've never been able to clean it up. So they 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 changed it. So 
marketers and advertising agencies uh, understand that they're doing propaganda. That's what the government does. Uh, this is what advertisers do. They propagate their propaganda. They're trying to persuade you. It's a form of suggestion and persuasion. This is mind control. Hey, the government goes out and hires these guys to do it for them. Well, sure. Well, absolutely. Yeah. With your tax dollars or, or ostensibly with your tax dollars. So, uh, it's important to understand that propaganda didn't go away, and propaganda isn't something that just somebody else does. Okay, this is—it's it, you're surrounded by it daily, and exposed to it, and influenced by it, persuaded by it, and you really have to start being critical about what you're taking into your mind. The whole '60s, '70s, '80s, all the movies, most of the literature, is a form of propaganda. All right. Because they're trying to persuade you. Oli Hoaxwood is a specialist in propagandizing, indoctrinating, and falsity the American people, and has been doing it basically. It was uh, invented, the birth of the nation, and so on and so forth, the very first one, G.W. Griffith. So we also have to recall well, that Jakob Franks, Franks uh, who was a second-generation Zabbatai or Shabbatai Levi uh, declared himself to be the most evil man in the world. And he was the father of Frankism. And this is the Zionist cabal, the cabal-ah. This is where this all comes from. And, of course, now we see it as these policy research centers like Fusion GPS, uh, the Clinton gang's policy research service, uh, opposition research is what it really is to try to come up with some way to mischaracterize discharacterize to frame the blame and color your victim as what you're doing so you can make them look as bad as possible so you're right. less unelectable yeah so so when when zapatai zevi uh kick knocks off and uh and uh, Jacob Frank takes over, and then he announces that he's the reincarnation of Zabatai Zevi. And uh, we look at this time period in uh, the late 1600s, uh, early 1700s. Um, what's going on in Britain? Well, uh, we have monetary crimes going on. With who? Well, Charles II and... Who's, who's he involved with in monetary crimes? Well, the British East India Company. Well, well, who's the British East India Company? Well, this is about 200 to 250 shareholders and men of money. They are called mercantilists. Okay. And, and, and what persuasion are they? Well, I'll give you two guesses. <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're money changers. Okay, and and they take over the monetary system of of England. Uh, now, who are they working with? Well, they're they're working with the Frankists. Now, old Daryl, can right. I add something? So you can have Daryl, can I interrupt you yeah, just a please. second? I want to oh, add please. something that's very salient here. Mm-hmm. When Jacob Frank got kicked out of Constantinople as he was elderly, he moved up to Germany to a very small city outside of. Frankfurt, and that was just about the build-up time to the 
to the founding of the Illuminati. So obviously, it seems like to me, you can connect the dots, that he was very influential in that in some way, shape, or form. About the same time. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Uh so we we have this we have this we have this connection between uh, Talmudic Zionism, uh, aka Masonry, and and the British East India Company uh, taking over the monetary system. Uh, England fell a long time ago; it was absolutely taken over yep. uh, by 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 usury and and the money system, and and this is this is why. Uh, you you had so many problems in uh, and abuse of the British people. William of uh, Orange. English people were William, horribly abused. William of yeah. Orange was backed yeah. by these same forces from Amsterdam and financed to go in and fight, I believe, the Tudor Wars. And it was when he won, yeah. William of Orange, that he let the Jews back in England. Right. Now, let's let's... Let's kind of let's kind of push this forward and, and sort of make this connection here in people's minds. Who was the driving force behind Zionism in the 19th century? Well, Great Britain. Who was in charge of Great Britain? The Mercantilists. All right, basically the East India Company. Uh, who are these? Well, they're the bankers now. All right. And why do they want Zionism? Because it serves them a political identity masked under a theology. Yes. And they can, they can use this to their advantage. Israel, the only reason Israel, the, the, the nation, the state of Israel, not the nation, the state of Israel can be co- constructed in a physical location under a political jurisdiction is by the hand of Great Britain. They created it. They facilitated. They supported. And you can't say Mossad and MI6 and be any different. They're part of the Five Eyes. But, but okay. Gerald, they, they hold on, Cody. It, it was it was Go German ahead. ships that, that took people. It was German ships that took people to. Uh, to Israel, it was you know mostly Germans that populated well, it. So what? Uh, 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 wait a minute, I'm going to explain that to you, Cody. Uh, according to Eustace Mullins, the patriarch of our movement, one of them, the Nazi stood N A stood for National Socialism in German, and Z I stood for Zionism, and the Zionists saw oh. Hitler's political potential, and and hooked up and financed him in the early days, and then he turned on him later. But remember, there were a lot of Jews in the in the Third Reich, and there and he had. If you'll go look at, do a search on on this phrase I'm going to give you, the transfer agreement, and he had a yeah. deal worked yeah, out with them. Now you see that you get into some real stuff that isn't commonly known here is that the they wanted to work with the Jews to get the Jews out of Germany okay and who yeah. was it that who was it that guarded the concentration camps but the Jews okay and what they well, did well, that they, was the story go ahead that that was the sto- that was the story that I think you know we talked about the transfer agreement I did the research on it and it basically said that uh you know, the, the Nazis were the ones, or the, the, the Jews were the ones that picked who got to go to Israel. That's you know, right. That's the people refused to 
understand it was, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you go to some inner city where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take the, the higher class blacks or whatever, and you guys are going over the concentration camps, and that's exactly what they did. Is the they, higher, you know, the higher, better looking, better educated they, ones went to, they, were, were selected to go to Israel, and the other ones were let, you know, let to the concentration camps. They and not people, only, they didn't well, just, I mean, they didn't just make a selection, they sent them through a week's indoctrination, and if they didn't pass the indoctrination, they stayed, and if they did, they went. Okay? And I mean, you, could, me, you used to could go. This. You used to could go on the internet. Hold on, Daryl. You used to could go on the internet and see pictures of where Himmler made two visits, or at least one, down to Israel in the early days. And there were pictures of him. Later, they hunted him down out in Brazil as a war criminal, and came smuggled him out, and came back and hung his ass for publicity. Uh, well, it's like somebody well, said. Don't, whenever you whenever you bring it up. T- help you know remind people it was all german boats that that brought people to israel yeah, it was the yeah. german boats that were sure. bringing the people Not, well you know so if you ever share that with somebody just remind them well who, who populated israel who brought them there the german boat ships did not only that they had to turn their wealth in in germany and then when they got to israel they could get the value of it but they had to buy german goods that's how thick the agreement was daryl you've been chomping at the bit to add something here go ahead (laughs) well i i want to i want to simplify this uh i want to simplify this from the perspective of one Mr. Um, Harold Wallace Rosenthal, okay, and uh, you can you can go online and find transcripts of the interview that was conducted with him by a man by the name of Mr. White, and uh, Mr. Rosenthal uh, uh, at one point in the interview just comes out and says it. Well, listen. The big Jews have never had a problem sacrificing a few of the small Jews. You know, you should say okay, who in order Rosenthal, to get what they want. You should identify who Rosenthal was. He was I will. Jacob. Okay. I will. Okay. Go ahead. I, I will. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Harold uh, Wallace Rosenthal um, had a, had an interesting political background. He was the senior administrative assistant to. A, a then senator uh, Jacob Javits uh, uh, of the uh, Jewish persuasion, and uh, basically was the man behind the scenes, uh, you know, shepherding uh, legislation, writing legislation in the uh, in the Congress, and uh, he he gives a uh, he, he was a young man, fairly young man. Uh, I think he was in his early thirties. And uh, he uh, he gives this interview, and a month later, he's the only one that dies in a uh, ostensible hijacking in Turkey <laughs> after he gives this interview because uh, it's apparent that he has said too much too soon. And uh, so I, I guess he was 29 years old, uh, and he was killed in a skyjacking attempt on an Israeli airliner in Istanbul on uh, August 12th of 1976. That's the uh, that's the gist of, of his background, and it's it's a fairly uh, uh, 
it's, it's a well-documented interview that's not fraudulent or, or, or faked or made up or counterfeit. Uh, it's a very long interview. You, you really have to read it. You can go on the Internet and find it. If you, uh, if you do a search on uh, uh, Rosenthal, on uh, Harold Wallace Rosenthal, you can, you can find it. Uh, it used to be in audio because White... Mr. White had uh, taped the entire conversation, and uh, three or four years ago, you could listen to it on YouTube. I've heard it, and uh, it's it's been completely scrubbed. You can't you can't listen to the audio anymore. Okay, you can't find it. You can find transcripts. Okay, so you can get transcripts of it, but you can't listen to the audio anymore. Um, there was one place I did find where you could listen to the audio, but it's somebody else reading. It's not the original voices. The one I heard and probably the one you heard, Roger, was Mr. White and Mr. Rosenthal this is, in the actual conversation. This is 25 years ago. Yeah. While, while we're on this, and I just could buttonhole that for a second, we're, we're going to have Paul on tomorrow. Paul will be back with us. And... Uh, we're probably going to talk a good bit about Gab. There have been some real big strides over at Gab lately, and there's some big, uh, they look like they've finally beaten Google and the big guys and the way they've got themselves set up. And uh, I think we're probably going to be utilizing Gab more here, and we'll talk about it tomorrow with Paul. But the reason that came up, Daryl, is because that system, the way that it is, even that it's fairly new right now, has the potential to get us back to that point where we they can't censor stuff and we can't get access to those kind of truths. And I, I'd like to be involved yeah. in it. I've never signed up except for LinkedIn years ago with any kind of social media crap. It's just not me, you know. It's just not my personality. Yeah. And I, after I watched the video Paul yeah. sent yesterday, the first thing I did was go sign up for Gab. And we'll talk about it tomorrow, and we're going to get more involved with it here because I think it's a real good vehicle yeah. for us, and I want to support what they're doing also. So I just want to inject that yeah. back to the buttonhole. Daryl, me first. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold Darryl, your button. I'm mention there's a good webs website with some alternative um, videos. Like I, I found the shooting video from New Zealand on it. It's called 153news.net. And, uh, you know, there's, there, people are posting those kind of things that have been scrubbed off of YouTube, so you guys might check it out, 153news.net. Yeah. Well, this yeah, that's new, good. Uh, a lot Gab. of people are using APNs, and uh, BitChute's a good. BitChute is uh, is a place that's actually posting things that have been scrubbed off of uh, YouTube. Uh, Cody, for you, I would highly recommend if you haven't is uh, take the time to listen to uh, the nineteen uh, six uh, was it fifties or late fifties, early sixties. Uh, Benjamin Friedman's uh, oh, address. At the, uh, at, the at the Willard, at the Willard, Willard at the Willard Hotel. Yeah. Do you know Benjamin Friedman's so. background, uh, Cody? No, I'm going to write this down. Benjamin. Okay, go Free, ahead. It's F R E E D M A N, I believe, not Freeman. Friedman. He was a wealthy soap manufacturer, Jewish, and turned on him. Okay. He was actually at some of the conversations. He was un. Was it Untermeyer's assistant? 
uh, Daryl, I think. He was like real, real influential in the inner circles. He was actually at some of the meetings in Versailles, okay? And then he turned on yeah. him and he and he converted to Christianity. He had. And he gave this talk at the Willard Hotel that lays everything out. You can find it online. Yeah, it, it hasn't been scrubbed yet. It's it's a it's a very powerful uh, about a two hour uh, conversation or, or uh, monologue that he gives. Uh, he was as a young as a very young lad because of his father Roger uh, Free, Benjamin Friedman was rubbing elbows at an early age with uh, Behut Barak. Barack, Bert, yeah. Bernard Barack, Bernard Barack, however you say his name, Bernard who was a very important. Uh, Bernard Barack, Bar- yeah. I think is how you yeah. say. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to study Yiddish, I guess. So, uh, so uh, yeah, he he has a lot of legitimacy, his uh, credibility from from my point of view. Anyway, there wasn't anything for him to gain by going out there. As in fact. He um, he pretty much uh, lost uh, by the end of his by the time of his death. Mr. Benjamin Friedman had pretty much spent, gone through and spent uh, all of the uh, uh, wealth that he had ever acquired through the previous part of his life when he when he stepped out and started talking about these things. So they they were very they treated him quite vindictively after he uh, he tried to set the record straight. So. Yes, excellent resource for new people. Uh, Shane, welcome along, man. Hi, what yes, you got, you got I would just like to say one. I, I got a friendly reminder. I'd like to say that the gab.ai is, yes, what you're talking about. It is not gab.com. Okay. Gab, right. uh, gab.ai is the operating system to get us off the other type of yeah, but scenarios you, uh, but, within the Gab. Well, uh, I went to Gab.com, but, but Shane, that's probably true, but that may be the whole network. But I went to Gab.com to sign up and open an account. All right, well, you can do the same on Gab.ai. Okay, well, All we're right? going to start. You know, they've got some interesting things that are developing over there, and I and I, I think we'd like to take full advantage of it. We'll probably – I'm real uh, much of a novice in this field over here in this area, this social networking field, but uh, I know Paul is really excited about it, and I'm sure we'll discuss it in some depth tomorrow. But I wanted to give you all a heads up about it because I think it's a real good direction for us to – to go in and and try and help them out and they can help us out because we meet a lot of like-minded people over there that have gotten thrown off. You know, we're not big enough to get thrown off anything yet. And we're not really anywhere <laughs> to get thrown off. I don't have a Facebook. I've got a Facebook presence. We don't ever use it. I've never been on there. I've never signed on personally to Facebook that I can ever remember. A couple people have set up, webmasters have set up accounts for me and done it, but I didn't want anything to do with it. But I think I do, and I get the feeling that I do want to be involved in this Gab effort. So uh, I, I really like what I heard, and I like the guy that's running it and, uh, you know, that did the interview and, and some of the things they're doing and trying to do, and uh, I, I, I believe it's a nice association. So we'll talk more about it with Paul tomorrow. Thank you. Bye for now. Yep, see Shane. Back, uh, Daryl, did we get everything covered you wanted to cover, buddy? 
Yeah, uh, I, I I think we I think we worked around that pretty good. Uh, I I was going to say uh, I remind everybody once again uh, if they if they missed it in the past here is to go to a, a website, save it in your favorites, and it's very straightforward. It's called federalmafia.com. Oh, that's shift site. And uh, no, no, actually it's. It's uh, it's close, but uh, this is the the uh, eleven theses and the free downloads and access of Byron Beer's work. Oh, okay. Federal federalmafia.com, and uh, it's it just comes up. It's basically just one page, and it has eleven titles on it. You can click on each one, and you'll get a PDF. Anywhere from 35 to 55 pages. Uh, you can save each one to your hard drive or print them out, which I did. And and these this is an education for you. Okay, it will cover uh, philosophy, uh, scripture, and law. And and so this is this is a from my point of view is basically an entire syllabus for. Uh, having a, uh, a coherent, concise understanding of uh, the, the principles of liberty and freedom, uh, and uh, which is uh, until you can actually uh, define what these things are, you're just really accepting somebody else's interpretation of what liberty and freedom are by grabbing bits and pieces out of uh, somebody else's writing. This is a this is a full-on education, okay, uh, and it's free. And uh, so go to federalmafia.com and uh, read the first one, and if you're not happy, well, it didn't cost you anything. Well, so. I can tell you I haven't read any of the ones he's got listed up there, or you sent me the page, but I can tell you the one I did read, the uh, Introduction to the Law Merchant, is an excellent piece of work. We talked about it extensively several weeks ago. I had uh, my webmaster put it up on my web page there for download and uh, over on the right side of SovereignToSurf.com. And I highly advise people, if you're new to this, get the right background. You can't, if you don't understand the background and the basics, you're playing Don Quixote because you're going from one windmill to the next and you ain't never going to hit one of those twirling fans, okay? If you don't know the basics, you ain't going to hit the twirling fan. Sorry. If you do not know and understand the basics and the fact you're dealing with feudalism, you're doing nothing but shadow boxing. Right. So um, this this is uh, this is an excellent resource. Uh, if I was going to actually, if somebody was crazy enough <laughs> or or dedicated enough to actually pay me to set up a a classroom syllabus. Every every last bit of the information that's on that webpage would be in the initial 101 program, and and actually, I probably wouldn't even talk about the stuff that uh, the advanced stuff that's been talked about even in Roger's book until everybody got through that part. Okay, and now once you've had the foundation laid, now we have something to talk about. Hey, Darryl, you got to learn not the coming up. Do what, Cody? Federalmafia.com is on a GoDaddy holding page right now. 
Well, well, let me. You want to get I, I just pulled it up this morning, so let me let me see here. Let me. I'm going to put you on mute a minute here. Okay, go ahead and get on mute, Chris. You got anything to observe on this line of conversation? It was just up there the other day. I saw it too, Cody. Maybe the guy didn't pay his bill. We that we've been the we've been the victims of that a couple of times here lately. Uh, let's see. Greg wants to send me something here. Uh, I'll read an excerpt from Brent's book if you uh, guys need. Yeah, I, Greg just sent me the uh, the link here in IM, so it must be still up. You might have typed it in wrong or something. Hmm. Okay. Federal, but when you said that the well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to make that parallel. That's why I said that when when uh, Daryl first mentioned the site because that was the name of Irwin Schiff's book that got him thrown in jail. That was the only book banned in the United States, by the way, in a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I'm I'm bad, and I have to I have to fall on my claymore sword here. Uh, it. The, the website is thefederalmafia.homestead.com, you know, slash Byron hyphen beer. It just, it's a lot bigger. It's a lot bigger uh, a website uh, IP than uh, I, I alluded to. Drop, so. drop it to me, and I will stick it in a show description here one of these days. My browser that I've got all that stuff on, my default browser, crashed on me last night. So I'm over there trying to reconstruct all that stuff still, and I just can't bring it up immediately. So uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. I'll send it to you right after the show, Roger. All right. Yeah. I'm going to try and get it in the show description today. If not, we can fit it in there tomorrow. But these are all valuable resources. you got to know the basics, and you got to make this information yours. If you don't make the information yours and you know the basics, your chances of success in this endeavor are diminished. I mean, that's just, it's going to be much harder for you. It's going to take longer. And what my mandate is, the way I see it, is to try and, first of all, take somebody like Cody here, get them awake, get them infused and up to speed as quick as possible. And that, the way you get up to speed as quick as possible is you learn the basics. Yeah, I just sent Cody the... Uh... I just sent Cody the link, so there you go, okay. Cody. There's your link. Thank you very much. Good deal. Uh, yep. Let me, as we're getting towards the tail end of the program, the other thing I wanted to talk about today was um, night before last, I was stumbling through YouTube over there and looking around, and a Carrot Bars video popped up. And I, 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 I clicked on it, and I started watching it, and I was super impressed with it. And the scenario is it's a guy named Tours, uh, who's from South Africa? One of the big. Uh, he's been he's been real successful in carrot bars out of Johannesburg down there, and he's got groups all over the world. And he was over in Vegas at the convention last week, and he was doing a training session and a explanatory session for his group in Sweden over the internet. It's about an hour and a half long, and he did a super good job. And but what what it impressed me so much because there was a lot of confusion at the start of this carrot bars ICO last year. Okay, 
And one of the reasons for it was because Carrot Bar's biggest market in the world is the United States. And the only people that couldn't participate in the ICO are citizens of the United States and residents under the 14th Amendment. So everything had to be hush-hush. You couldn't record anything. There was nothing written down. It was all word of mouth. It, because of those factors, it made the whole rollout of the thing uh, just an absolute confusing mess. And, uh, and, and quite frankly, I need to apologize to you guys because that was, uh, you know, around the time I had my foot accident, it got so confusing, it even got me aggravated, and I just kind of turned my back on it, and I hadn't been involved in too much of the developments in the last year, and I'm really sorry, and I apologize to you guys for that publicly because we've missed a couple of hell of an opportunity since that ICO that I just wasn't plugged in enough to realize and be involved in or tell you guys about. But he goes over some of that on this video, and what impressed me so much is that now Carrot Bars has their own exchange up, okay? And it's a closed exchange. It's, it's more for us. People can join it and, and, and exchange coins for Ethereum or Bitcoin with the KBC coin, but it's more for Carrot Bar people internally because you've got vaults there, and there's all kinds of promotions they've got going on right now where you're, you can actually turn your Carrot Bar coins into gold and stick them in a vault, and depending on how much you've got back there, they'll pay you up to 15% a year interest in gold, okay? And now all of that, you've got all the trading capabilities, you've got all the vaulting capabilities, you've got all these super node capabilities, which there's one of those categories left that still has some packages to purchase. The other two are totally sold out. These node uh, opportunities pay you in KBC on a monthly basis and what it appears that they're going to do is is to take any of these proceeds from the vaulting process which is an annual payment to the monthly payments and they're going to allow all those to be spent via your carrot bars MasterCard. So as of November the 1st, Carrot Bars is pulling their coin off of the Ethereum network. And they're founding their own network built on their own blockchain and everything's going to be a self-contained ecosystem. And the phone, the vending machines, the exchange, your Carrot Bar account, everything's tied together and it's going to be on its own totally secure blockchain. Okay. I mean, these guys, I was watching that video, I was just sitting there going, well, through all the confusion, they finally got it together because it's real slick, okay? You go and now, if you've got a, if you're a Carrot Bar affiliate, you go to CarrotBit.com, which is the exchange, and you go through the login process, and you have to have your Carrot Bar back office open, but when you open your account at Carrot Bar's exchange, you click on a button, and it links your Carrot Bar Exchange account back to your Carrot Bar account. And everything can be done internally. They, they've got these vending machines that are going to start rolling out delivery in the next month. I did hear, I think you told me, Chris, that when Chris attended the convention out there last week, he paid $150 out of his own pocket to get into there for one night, okay? And one thing Chris told me that impressed me was you had heard Chris out there that Mike Tyson bought 12 of these gold vending machines and is placing them all in Las Vegas. Isn't that correct? 
That is correct. I was there. I saw the guy from South Africa. He was the opening speaker. Tours. Tours the, is his name. He's really good speaker. Yeah, he's very impressive. Very good speaker. It was it was a huge carrot bar meeting, as a matter of fact, and it was. I mean, we had eclectic people from all over the planet that were there. It was monster big. And uh, really, First Cabin, they even had uh, Blake Shelton's main squeeze, whatever her name is, uh, doing a private uh, concert for everybody at the end of the night. But it was past my bedtime, so I didn't go. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, I've been around the adult world for a while. I've been around networking circles for damn over 30 years, okay? Uh, I keep telling y'all, Carrot Bars is a fine company. I know Carol, Harold Seitz is one of his goals is any time that the people identify and want to use the word gold, he wants them to identify it with Carrot Bars, just like you do with Kleenex for tissues and Xerox for copiers. And I'm telling you, these guys have got a program set up and rolled out with a foundation that's developed that is super impressive. Okay, so just a heads up, I, 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 if I can find that video, I'd like to put it up for any of you that might be interested. This is a viable opportunity with one hell of a future, okay? You can take those coins, and this is what he goes over in this presentation, okay? If you guys wanted to go out and go buy you some KBC coins today, you can buy them for about four cents or around four cents today. And you could send 100 coins to Chris, your buddy Chris out there, once Mr. Tyson gets his machines installed, and you can get you a gram of gold in small subgram sizes for $3, $4 today. Now, the world doesn't know about this yet, okay? Now, that's got to tell you one of two things. Howard, Harold Seitz is one piss-poor businessman or else he greatly expects the price of the coin to rise in the future because that 100 coins for a gram of gold stands worldwide. Okay? You just think about that. I'm looking at one of these uh, carrot bars cash gold coins. Yeah, you got one. You got you got a you've got, you've got an example of the product that's called Cash Gold. And what Cash yeah, Gold is a new type of product that Carrot Bars announced a couple of years ago. We talked about it. We had a special promotion on the pools behind this product that we talked about on the air. A number of listeners got in on that, okay? And it's 24 carat subgram sizes placed in a familiar currency format. And it's got, I think they've got 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.4, and 0.6, somewhere around there. And you can get those dispensed out of, you can either go in and purchase them. As this gold mania hits, people can walk in, get to these machines. 12 of them are going to be owned by Mike Tyson, located in, in Clark County out there. And you can put in $10 and get you whatever the appropriate percentage is of gold at that point. Okay, so you can go to those machines and you can take your phone and you can wave your little phone in front of it and cash in your carrot bars and get, and this, it wasn't a tenth of a gram, Chris. It's 100 coins for one gram of subgram size cold, cash gold. 
All right. Now, what Tours goes over in this video is the essential cost. That means the real the real value of the coin out there on the market that you can buy for four cents today is forty two cents. The public doesn't know this yet. The real cost of the carrot bar coin, the real value of it today is 42 cents because that's the price of a gram of gold, about $42. Where else can you get a deal like that? Go spend $4 and go get 42. Tell me one other place you can get a deal like that that's legitimate. There is. Crickets. I hear crickets. Sounds a little suspect to me. Yeah, it does. If you didn't know carrot bars in the company in the market, you might think so, but it's doable. Now, it's not doable today, Cody, because those machines aren't installed. They're not shipping for about another month, month and a half. But as soon as they get installed, you can do it in your back office today. You can make that conversion in your back office if you're signed up and they signed up to the exchange and vault that stuff for a year today. But you can't go get how it. Is, how is that not a pyramid scheme if they're selling it cheaper than the coins trading at? Well, a pyramid scheme is something that doesn't have a legitimate good or product that entices other people to come in to pay off the earlier investors, first of all. Okay. Uh, Carrot bars is a German. I mean, if the gold is worth more than they're charging for it. Well, no, he's sense, doing it. You know? You're missing the whole point. You're not. You're, you're looking at the tree instead of the forest here, Cody. He's he's a promotion guy. He's setting up something and creating a vacuum. Now that's what I was yeah. saying. Do you think Harold Sites? is a dummy, you're wrong, A, and if you don't think that they think the price of this coin to the general public on the exchange price is going to go up, you're dead wrong because the guy would be a fool yeah, to have but, that but answer. Also, they can just say, oh, the machine, the machine's out of gold. The machine's out of gold. You know what I mean? That can, like you said, it can just be a pumped-up thing and, oh, sorry, Cody, the machines are out of gold. Well, know? Cody, I can tell you why it's not a Ponzi scheme because I've been personally associated with these guys for six years. I've been to Germany. I've been to their offices. I hung out with them over there for 10 days. I promise you they're well, That doesn't real. mean they're honest people. It doesn't, doesn't mean the thing won't they're, fall apart. They're, in, they're, in, they're in business eight years. They're debt-free. They're a member of the World Trade Organization, and they're a networking company in Germany that doesn't allow multi-level in Germany. There are no multi-level companies in the country of Germany operating legally. They're the yeah. largest seller today of small size, high quality gold, Cody, in the world. Well, it just sounds like a promotion thing where it is they, a, they're going to pump up the price. Or God the machine, almighty. You know, what, they'll go Cody, through a little bit of gold, give it away. What, in the Cody, Cody, you're not, you don't listen real well, son. I just said it was a promotion. Yeah, but how long is it going to last? Is it going to last he's long got, enough he, that if you went there and you wanted to get he's glad, it's going to last gold, it's he, gonna, the the hundred coins for a gram of gold is a standing offer, is my understanding. 
but you have to get it through the machine. You can't no, order no. it. No, yeah, no. Cody, I just told you, Cody, you don't listen real good, son. You can do it if well, you, you open you up. You can do it in the back office or no. something. But, I said you, know, you can do it. In, God, Cody, Cody, you can do it in the exchange today if you had coins and had an account open. They don't have the machines ready to ship yet. So if you can do it in the back office, is there a limit? I mean, why would the coin be, tra- be trading at, what did you say, $0.05 cents the other day? From because that's or? the public on the other exchanges. This is internal with Carrot Bars and their affiliates. Okay? Oh, okay. This is internal. But it's the same, it's the same coin? It's not a yes, different? No. Well, they've got two coins. They've got a KBC coin, and they've got another one that is still, I, from, I take from this video that's still in ICO, called a KCB coin. So they okay. sold the other one a year ago. They've got the newer one out now, and I think the ICO is still going on. I've got a question into Pat Gamble. But as of November 1st, that's all going to be off, and they're going to pull the coin off both coins off of the Ethereum ERC-20 coin blockchain, and they're going to have their own blockchain. And when that happens, they're going to merge both coins and call it a, a gold standard coin, GSC coin. So that's coming November 1st. You're getting prior knowledge here from things that aren't even really out in the public very much yet, Cody. So how does that work? They're, they create so many tokens, and then that's no, it, and then they no. have to create a new one? No, here's what I'm going to tell you how it worked, how it worked when he did the ICO. They set it up, and we bought gold, okay? So you had to go in initially and buy the product of cash gold, and then that was stored in your back office. And then there was a okay. conversion where they converted, and you gave them back the coin, the gold, and they gave you the coins, so you bought gold, he gave you coins, and he got gold back, and that's the initial backing of the coin. Okay? Now, a How many a, coins a, did you get per ounce then? No, you got them per gram, per tenth of a gram. You got 850 coins per tenth of a gram. So you got 850 coins for about $7.50, and they came out to about 0.07 cents a coin. Now, what Harold's going to do at that point a year ago, it was about 15% backed by gold. Okay, What he's doing is reinforcing that statement that the coin's backed by gold. That's what the promotion's about. You, you doubt that you can yeah. take your coin and go get gold? You can take your coin and go get gold. It's backed by gold. Now, right now, it's not 100% yeah, but still backed. It's a fiat currency because it's only backed by 15%. Well, you know, it seems like well, they just, back at but, 100 and then charge it back well, they're, God almighty, Cody, they're trying to back it to 100. That's their plans. You don't do that overnight. But you see this, this goes back to basics. This is the same formula that the goldsmiths used. People would take, the goldsmiths had a safe. People would take their gold to the goldsmith for safekeeping because he had a safe. He would issue them a little chit. And the goldsmith found out that people don't want to redeem it for gold. They want to circulate the chit. No, it's not. (laughs) 
It's called partial backing. Fiat, at least that was backed by gold. Right. Fiat currencies backed by you. Okay. So, well, and that's what he's saying. That, that that's way. what he's saying, Cody, is that you can buy these coins and go redeem them for gold because he knows that no, not everybody's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but the fact yep. that you can means it is. Got it? Yeah, well, that's okay. Well, it's legitimate, it's real important, and it's going to be a hell of a project down the line, and the folks that got involved are going to be real glad they did. So anyway, there's our whistler. I want to thank everybody that participated today. Hopefully, good Lord willing, creek don't rise, internet go, go down, and computers don't crash. We're going to have Paul tomorrow and talk about this gab stuff. You guys have a good day going on out to Patriot Lunch Day and be back later. I'll see y'all tomorrow with Paul. Have a good day. Thanks for participating.